0: Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. There we go. All right. Let me tuck this cord in my pocket so I don't get it tangled around my hand and jerk my microphone off. Throw it halfway across the countryside. That's been known to happen a few times. Get excited, get to talking with your hands. Next thing you know, you've lost your microphone. (laughs) It's kind of hard to edit those parts out. (laughs) What is that sound where it sounds like the mic was dragging across the gravel? (laughs) All right, well, so we are on part nine of the healing series discussing the very topic of healing brother fox and i went up there to recovery works there last friday night and got to pray for a couple folks minister to a couple folks that's a very very different setting isn't it it's a very 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 different setting And so it's really probably one of my, well, if not my most favorite setting to go in and minister. So it's a very good, very, very good time. All right, part nine. Now, the last couple parts, we talked about the law of contact and transmission, laying on of hands or making contact. We're probably going to circle back to that in another part because I felt like that we're, there's something in there that still needs to be said, but I ain't got it yet. So when I get it, we'll come back around to it. We're gonna move on to the next one. So we talked about, it's probably good to refresh here and just give them and the talk about the points. All right, so we talked about different means and methods to receive healing and it's important to understand that in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus did not minister to every single person exactly the same way. He didn't he didn't administer the same type of healing exactly the same way. So, really what you see is you know, you see this wonderful full spectrum of different ways that God wants to get you healed in his ministry and then we see some other things outside the gospels that we pick up and so it's important to understand that so we just going back over the points is number one now there's I don't remember here we'll count them there's 14 or 15 different methods now remember this is not an all encompassing list you may go home and read your bible tonight and find another point that I don't have that's very possible I quit presenting messages, even teaching messages, a long time ago. I quit presenting them as, this is the fullness of what we've got to work with. Because every time I did that, I'd read something that very week that would just upend my theology. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit Sunday night asked me a question about something pertaining to the topic of healing that I ain't been able to answer yet. So, So... So we're just plugging right along. So we work with what we know, and we endeavor to learn more. And that's how we reach people, and that's how we get people healed. So, But laying on of hands is one method, by your faith and by the faith of someone close to you. That's the two we're going to start talking about tonight. Talking about confession, or moving your mountain, then gifts of healings, working of miracles... Uh, anointing with all in the prayer of faith. We're going to cover that one tonight. The spiritual gift of special faith. The casting off or out of unclean spirits or evil spirits or demonic spirits. That's a very popular topic in the church today. <laughs> People don't like to hear about that. That's okay. Uh, we have biblical evidence that you can receive your healing by listening to the word by having a, making a point to have a merry heart. That's a good one. Taking communion, uh, fear of the Lord and departing evil, and then praying in the spirit or praying in tongues, and then medical science being the last point on the list. And yes, we include medical science in this because how many of you know that any medicine that has been, or treatment that has been given to man wasn't, that was helpful It wasn't given to him by the devil? You see that? So it's important to understand that a lot of times there is there's almost a disassociation when it comes to people teaching on faith and then addressing medical science. And there doesn't need to be that disassociation. You see what I'm saying? There, we need to encompass that and bring that in because any treatment that's good, any medicine that's good, Any mean or method that that comes through medical science that helps people and helps treat people is good, and it's from the Lord. And you've got to remember that while these doctors don't necessarily believe the same way that I believe, we both have the same common enemy, and that's sickness and disease. And so it's important to understand that. And so we want to, if people's faith is at receiving healing through medical science, and that's where their faith is, that's where we want to meet them at. Right? And we don't want to make people feel bad about the fact that if they have to take medications, we want to keep encouraging people to keep building their faith. Right? Too many times I see ministers kick the stool, proverbially speaking, out from underneath people who are endeavoring to believe God. And so... What I mean by that is, is that some people can... The, the best that they're at in the position of faith that they're at at the time is to believe for assistance, God's assistance through medical science. And that's what we need to... And that if that's where it's at, then bless God, we need to crawl right up in that hospital bed and work with them and get them healed and get them well. So it's important to understand that we don't have to be weird. You know, if you are having a physical problem, it's not necessarily a lack of faith by having to go to the doctor as a lot of people preach and teach. Sometimes, it's good to go to the doctor and figure out and have them tell you what's wrong so that way you know what to get your faith on. Right? Because sometimes... We can have mystery pains and mystery things that show up. That used to be something that plagued me for a long time as I would have weird stuff go wrong physically. And doctors couldn't figure out what it was and all this different stuff, you know. So it's important to understand. And I feel the need to just continuously reiterate that every time we meet and talk about the topic of healing. It is not... The last thing we want to do is if someone is sick and they're struggling in their faith we do not want to come along and tell them well you know you just need more faith you just need more faith you just need more faith and then you say ask these people to tell you how you get you know you need more faith you ask them how you get it how you get more faith and they'll uh, I say how' does the Bible tell you faith comes You know, you can you can readily tell that a lot of things that a lot of Christians are sharing and perpetuating is something regurgitating. They're regurgitating something that they've heard that they themselves really don't believe. But you know, it's almost like it's almost like there's this necessity present your holiness or you know you're this big titan of faith by going and telling people well you know if you just had more faith if you just had more faith if you just had more faith so it's very important that we don't find ourselves in that position and on the flip side of that we don't want to go the way that a lot of Christians go and they don't believe in supernatural healing and they don't believe in God's supernatural provision and all this different stuff and so what we want Remember there in the Old Testament, the Lord told the children of Israel, He said, don't go to the left, nor go to the right. Stay straight away. So that means, see, you can get off in the ditch on the right-hand side of the road and get radical and try to correct and jump the road and, <laughs> and land right in the other ditch. <laughs> you're, you're in no better shape over here than you was over there. You've just flipped your belief, and now you're, still, you're, just, as, you're, just, you're just as stuck as what you was. You're just stuck in a different way. So it's important to understand that. We want to meet people where they're at because that's what the Lord did himself. In his ministry, we saw him dealing with people by meeting them where they were at in their faith yet not leaving them there unless they just refused to believe and they wouldn't come up, right? So that's important to understand. So we we want to stay... On both sides, we want to stay out of both ditches and stay right down the center. And so understanding that, you know, what the term would be divine healing really is just receiving healing from God through your spirit because he's a spirit. That's how he's going to meet you. That's how he's going to reach you. Remember, we talked about that somewhat last week there, Romans 8 and 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So the primary way that God meets His children is by the inner witness of the Spirit. Well, that is where health and healing and the source of life come from. And so it's important to understand that. So when we talk about, really I don't even like the term divine healing. I mean, I feel like, There's probably better terminologies there. You know, supernatural sounds weird, but really, I mean, that would just really indicate that you're receiving something outside the bounds of the natural realm. Anybody ever had the Lord speak to them and tell them to do something? Right? That's supernatural. (laughs) I mean, you know, he didn't speak to you. He didn't show up and speak to you in an audible voice. Now many could. But, I mean, as a rule, even that inner witness of the Spirit is supernatural. It exceeds the bounds, the boundaries of the natural. So we want to make sure that we're helping people. Oftentimes, I try to not tell people what I think. I try to tell people what the Bible says and let them think for themselves. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I don't tell people what I think. I tell people what the Bible says, then I let them think for themselves. So, because I'll tell you that I have had the Lord deal with me on specific topics very very different than what, you know, than what I've ever heard him really deal with anybody that I know. You know, in referring to medicine, I think I've told you all this before, but there was a time a couple of years ago, 3 or 4 years ago when i don't know i had a tooth infection or i don't remember what it was but anyway i had to take some antibiotics well so i didn't want to take the antibiotics because i'm stubborn and stiff-necked and hard-headed like some people i know (laughs) not mentioning any names kathy snyder (laughs) Uh, but so i got those antibiotics And they were a pill. Like, I mean, they were like that big. They were like half the length of my pinky. I mean, it was, I said, my God, like, what am I supposed to do? Cut this thing up in quarters and take it, you know? But it was huge. So I was standing there, and I had that pill bottle in my hand. And I'm reading all these side effects, you know, make your nose slide off your face down to your kneecaps and fall off to the ground and, you know. May cause spontaneous urination on yourself and other people around you. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know all of this different, all of these different horrible side effects. And I was like, wow, I'm not really interested in having all these side effects, you know, because I used to be of the mindset if that if I if I there's someone that's going to get this side effect, it'll be me. You know, I don't think that way anymore. But anyway, so I was holding that pill bottle up, and just right there in my spirit. I was talking I was talking to the Lord. I said Lord, I, what am I-? I said I, got- I don't want to take this medicine. But obviously we got no other choice here. I got I need to take this medicine, but I don't want to deal with any of the side effects or anything else. And it's just as real to me as anything I see around me in my spirit. I got the witness. Take the pill. Hold it up. Say before the very throne of God that I'm believing for all of the benefits from this pill and that I'll receive none of the side effects in Jesus' name and I thank you for it. And I said, Well that sounds crazy, but I'm it can't I, I mean if at least if I miss it, you know, I can't hurt it can't hurt nothing. Well, do you know that I took that antibiotic and never had a side effect, not one. And people will say, Well maybe you know, maybe you just didn't have any side effects. Well maybe I didn't. Or maybe by faith You know, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I had a cyst. Shine was just a baby, like a year old or something. Anyway, I started seeing like this faint like bump, you know what I mean? So anyway, well, you know, it's just a fatty cyst. Well, it wasn't real bad, you know, like, I mean, you could just barely see it. Then about seven years ago now, I decided, I said, I'm going to start taking some weight gainer. Well... I started taking those weight gainers, and, mister, that thing started picking up speed. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, because I was like, that's just I mean, like, what's wrong here, you know? Well, then one day I was praying about it, and it just dawned on me. I said, you moron. I said, you're putting weight gainers, fats and enzymes and all that stuff into your body. Well, you might as well have been shooting that cyst full of steroids. I mean, it was just, you know, it just said, come on, partner, give me some more. Well... So it got pretty noticeable, you know. I mean, like on the face of my shoulder, you know, you could see a spot that was raised up probably a quarter inch and probably about the size of a quarter. Well, so in 2000, October, September. September of 2017, I made arrangements with a surgeon. I said, I'm just going to go get that thing taken out. So I've had enough of it. I mean, because, you know, I've had it for... Well, I mean, ten or years or so. I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to make arrangements to get that thing taken out. Well, so, you know, I go up and meet with this doctor, and very nice surgeon in London. Can't think of his name now. Very nice surgeon. And uh, he met, and he's like, yeah, it ain't no problem. He said, man, he said, really? He said, it won't take probably, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to get that thing out, you know. Well... I said, all right, well, let's do this thing, you know. So then I got, you know, so they scheduled it for a few weeks. So I got a little time to get get my faith on the matter, you know. So I got thinking about that, and I said, told the Lord, I said, Lord, now, I said, really? I can't afford to be off work. I mean, we're busy. You know, Jody needs my help. I said, I can't afford to be, I can't afford to be down. So as I began to just see and seek the, the witness about how I need to pray about that, I said, uh, just in my spirit. I kept getting this witness. I'm just going to believe. I'm going to ask God, and I'm going to believe that number one, that this surgery is going to go perfectly fine. Number two, I'm going to recover supernaturally fast, and number three, that there'll be no pain associated with this surgery. Well, so it come time to do the surgery, and you know, my my buddy Mike Mays took me up there, you know. And, so we were sitting there. Now, this is the truth. Now, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but we were sitting there. We were on the way up there, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I can't wait to see you on this on this juice, you know. He's like, I'm going to video you and everything else. Well, I got to thinking about that, or maybe it was he told me that a day or so ahead of time. I, mean, I think it was he told me that a day or so ahead of time. I said, Lord... I don't want any embarrassing videos of me acting like an idiot when I can't when I can't control myself and I don't know what's going on. I said so. I just believe you that on top of all these other things, that the moment I open my eyes, I'm not gonna be. I, I'm there's not gonna be any effects from this anesthesia. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? Well, so I went up there for surgery day, you know, and they plucked me in the arm and gasped my face, and I don't know what all they did to me. That doctor said count back from ten, and I went i just out well i was sitting in the recovery room and i had i guess they had propped me up you know i was sitting there my head down i opened my eyes and saw the blanket first and looked up and there was the nurse's station and that fast instantaneously i was sober just as it just just like i mean just sober as i am right now i said well thank you lord Well, so then I got to, you know, moving my arm around, this and that. Oh, yeah, you know, no problem. No pain, no nothing. They said, well, you know, that'll wear off. We'll give you some pain medicine. I said, no, I'm not taking it, but thank you. Well, so we left. Oh, that doctor come in and talked to Michael. And he said that cyst was a lot larger than what I even thought it was. He said, I thought that it was about the size of a golf ball. He said, but when I got in there and got to taking that thing out, he said it was about really between the size of a golf ball and a baseball. And he said, and it had grown all through the shoulder joint and everything else. Well, we left, went over there to Buffalo Wild Wings right there in London and ate. Well, from that day to, from that moment to this, I never had the first bit of pain associated with it. Not the, never had to take the first ibuprofen. Never had to take the first nothing. And as the, as the Lord lives, that's the truth. Never did. Never had Never had the first bit of pain associated with it. Went. Come home. Took the next day off because work made me. I went right back to work the day after. You know, uh, uh, we, you know, two days later. Went right back to work. And from that day to this, never did have any pain associated with it. Well, where would I get that? Just because I'm smart and I'm a tight in the face? No. (laughs) No. No. Listening to the Holy Spirit. So oftentimes, what we need, we don't get because we don't take that time to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So... That'll help you. So, I mean, there's a couple instances where, you know, and I mean, I teach on faith. And we've seen people supernaturally healed and everything else. But there are times and situations and scenarios when, you know what, we just... You have to go through this situation. And we don't want to find ourselves like that Pharisee and like that tax collector standing at the altar. You know, we don't want to see someone over here that's going through trials, adversity, needs healing, so on and so forth, and then, you know, say to ourselves, well, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like this person here, that they're struggling, you know, blah, 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 and all this. We don't, we don't want to have that happen. We don't want to do that. So we want to be able to meet people where we're at. Now you ask me, probably, why did you spend all that time telling you that? Well, because tonight we're going to talk about the very first thing we're going to talk about is the importance of corporate faith. So what does that mean? The importance of corporate faith. That means your faith being combined with the faith of someone else to receive something for someone. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand. Even me because I don't like to go to people and say hey you know I need prayer because I like to get it on my own and that's not and that's not always right and we're going to look at a couple instances here in the scriptures that shows the importance of combining your faith with someone else's faith to help them get or to help you get what you need right So go over there, to the ninth chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter nine. And tonight we're going to do quite a bit of reading, but I want you to see, I want you to see some stuff. And as we read this, if anything sticks out to you, just make yourself a note on it. But so Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 1, it says, So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? Then he said to the paralytic, Arise Take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, it says, They marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. That's a very, very powerful scripture right there. Now see, we're going to read all three accounts of this in the Gospels because, see, each Gospel gives us a very important part that we don't get from just reading one particular account in the gospels and I'll encourage you that any time that you get that you're reading something, you're studying something and you get that witness right there, I need to go and read the other portions of this and the other gospels, go do that. Cuz the holy spirit's trying to show you something, he's trying to teach you something and there are times that unless you write this one down, this one down and this one down and have them right in front of you where you can compare them, you won't get it you won't see it because a lot of times you really got to comb through it line by line, word by word, and see what's going on. So Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, And when they could not come near the house because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, what did he say to them? He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned this within themselves and he said to them why do you reason about these things in your heart which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven you or to say arise take up your bed and walk but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic i say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house you now what it says and immediately he arose took up the bed And went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. All right, now, stroll on over there to Luke chapter 5, and let's get the last report on this. Luke 5, starting at verse 17. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting back. See, that was the scribes right there that they're talking about. When you hear teachers of the law right there, they're talking about the scribes. Who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And they could not find how that they might bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. All right, now let's compare the text. First off, let's look at the effort that was put in by these five men. Right? How do we know it was five men? Well, we've got to get over there because we see in one of these right here that it says that there was four friends that brought him to Jesus plus the man. So the man had four friends that brought him to Jesus. Now, think about this Do you think that when they picked up their buddy on the stretcher do you think that there was any of those 5 men that thought we are going to have to tear the roof off the joint and let him down through the roof to get him to the to get him to the healer I guarantee you they didn't think that Would you think that No can you see that? But see, here's some things. Here's some things that you got to take into consideration. Number one, how'd they get him up there? <laughs> Picture this: Sicily, 1922. Now, anybody remember that from the Golden Girls? <laughs> the old woman. What was the What was the oldest woman's name? Wasn't that Estelle Getty? Every time she started out with the story, Sophia. <laughs> Picture it: Sicily, 1922. So think about this. Think about the sheer effort that it took to get this man on the roof of the house. Think about that. They got a man on a stretcher on top of a house. That's pretty stinking serious. Face people right now in Whitley County that wouldn't come down here and listen to Jesus teach if he was sitting right here where I'm sitting. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm talking about Christian people. I ain't talking about lost people, I'm talking about Christian people. How do we know that? Well they, they was Pharisees and scribes that couldn't stand a word what he had to say and they just as many Christian Pharisees and Christian scribes today as they've more than there's more now than there's ever been. <laughs> you see that? So these four men engineer a plan to get this man on top of the house but they don't stop there. They tear a hole in the roof of a house that's not their house. Think about that. They tear a hole big enough to let a man on a stretcher down through the hole. It's not their house. I mean, I, I I mean I feel like I can't express that enough to say it's not their house. <laughs> you see You see what I'm saying here? So think about the sheer effort that these five men put in to getting this man on the stretcher to Jesus. You could say it like this. If you ain't got some friends, some half-crazy Jesus-loving friends that do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus when you can't get yourself there, you ain't got friends. You may have a million followers on social media and 5,000, quotation fingers, friends on Facebook. But if you ain't got two or three or four good friends that's willing to rip the roof off someone else's house to get you to Jesus when you can't get yourself there, you ain't got friends. So That's the kind of friends we need. See that? Well, so then we see the effort that these five men put together. And they tear I mean, I can't help but really think that Jesus was just sitting there smiling, loving it. I love this. This is crazy, this is crazy kind of faith, and I love it. You know, well, it had to. Do if he didn't correct them, did he? <laughs> well, Jesus probably might have even had to pay to have the roof fixed. <laughs> you can't never tell. But when we see, we see a very, very key statement. It says, "When Jesus saw their faith." So, what's that mean? He saw, it did. a lot of people will twist this, before I got off social media, I saw these cute little memes about, you know, uh, that, you know, who you hang out with is important because one man got healed on the faith of his friends. Well, that's a half-truth. Because it says, he didn't say when Jesus saw the faith of the friends. See, the man on the stretcher's faith was included in that. In the there. See that? It's important to understand that. See, things that sound really cute will trap you. You've got to be so cautious about that. When What you listen to, what you accept, and what you take in. So it's important to understand that. So when Jesus saw their faith, what did he say? Yeah. Well, the very first thing that he did was remove the block that was causing that man to not be healed. What was the very first thing he said? He said, S- your sins are forgiven. Well, I mean... That made the Pharisees mad. That made the scribes mad. That'll make Christians mad today. You get someone out there that's been a low down dirty dog, and they come to the altar and they get prayer and they believe and they get you know and they correct get things right with the Lord, and the everybody in the church, ninety nine percent of the people in the church houses talk about them before they get their feet off the altar. It's the truth, huh? And people get mad. Well, I can't believe that God healed that guy right there and he didn't heal my granny who was been a Christian for 125 years. Well, granny didn't let you know for she left the earth that she'd been in disobedience for 119 of those years and wasn't doing what the Lord told her to do. So you got to be careful about that buying into that stuff, right? So it says when he saw their faith so it's important to see here that apparently God is so merciful that he will actually take and let you combine your faith, your faith and your faith and your faith and your faith and put all these people's faith together and say, that's what I needed right there. Now we've got the sum total of faith that we need to get the job done. right? So we've got a little faith here, we've got a little faith. You take five people and each one of them got 20% faith. Man, you put five people together, that's a lot of faith, isn't it? The Bible says one will put a thousand to flight and two will put ten thousand to flight. You'll notice that he didn't say anything about that these four men was praying for that was praying for that old boy on the stretcher. Oh God, your will be done. No, they said, Let's tear the roof off this joint and get him to the healer. See that? See, it's important to understand that. That when people I mean, I don't I, I'm very cautious about Asking people to pray for me. They start giving me that old number. You don't know what they're praying for. They might be praying for you to die. And people think that that's ludicrous. But I have encountered that more than once. People praying for other people to leave the earth so that they're no longer a nuisance or a burden to them. And I've encountered that. Even up to here, just even this week. And that is it would shock you. I mean it would really, really shock you about how people will pray about things. So you gotta be careful about that. But so see, think about this. I mean, thank God he's so merciful that he'll just let you put your faith together. And help you and help you get it. Can you see that? Now we talk about we always try to put down unscriptural teachings. Okay, so people will say, well, you know, God has given you this sickness to make you a little stronger in your faith or whatever else. Well, you notice there wasn't anybody glorifying God in this situation when this man was sick, was it? Was there? Not a person in the house was glorifying God. Now what happened? Jesus forgave that man's sins. He was healed, raised up from the sickbed, even possibly a deathbed, and all three Gospels tell us that they, everybody there, except the Pharisees and the scribes who was man, glorified God for what had happened. And then right there in Luke it says, it says immediately the man who was on the stretcher took up what had been lying on, and he departed to his house glorifying God. Well, he didn't come in glorifying God, did he? No, he come in seeking healing, seeking restoration, seeking being made whole. Can you see that? So see, you could readily see right there. Healing brought forth what? Glory and honor and praise to God. You ever see someone severely sick thanking God for the sickness that they've got? I've never seen that. I've never one time been sick and said, dear Lord, I just thank you for this sickness I've got right now. I've stubbed my toe a few times, and to keep from cussing, I've said, Lord, thank you, I've got a toe to stub. <laughs> 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 like <laughs> like the night I come walking through the hallway and stepped on one of Eli's Hot Wheels about 2.30 in the morning. Hey, you know, really, that you're doing good if you can step on a Hot Wheel in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning and not cuss. You've done something. I mean, you're doing something right there. A lot of people think that you got mountain moving faith. I mean, you when can, you can stub your toe and not think, you son of a... <laughs> now, i tell you, when that caulking gun got my thumbnail, though, that was probably the closest I've been to cussing in a long time, and we was close. And I don't know what happened. I kind of checked out for a few minutes in like a blind rage, so I don't, I don't know what happened. I may have to ask the Holy Ghost if I've got something there I need to repent of before... <laughs> <laughs> all right now we see <clears throat> i want to show you something here very very interesting now let me go back up here and find it i always think i always think that I'm going to remember uh these points and then I don't write them down because I think oh yeah I know that why would I even uh why would i even need to write that down but then I don't remember it. And there you have it. So, But look, I want you to look at the last part of verse 17, Luke chapter 5. Listen to what it says right here. Let's just read the whole verse. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now what's that very next line say right there? And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Yet, they didn't get healed. They didn't get healed. The man that got let down through the roof, he's the one got healed. But it doesn't say, it. the script Bible doesn't tell us anything about any other person in this setting being healed. Why? Because of the ground of their heart. They were mad when Jesus forgave those people's sins. When he forgave that man's sins, then people got mad. Now, see, that's an important lesson to us because we might be holding something against someone that the Lord's forgiven, and it may be holding up something for us. It's important to remember that. Can you see that? That's some pretty good solid points there about corporate faith, though. But, see, you got to make sure what you're talking about when you're trying to join together with someone. Let me prove it to you. Hey, Kayla, I'd like for you to agree with me. Oh, that's all. I just want you to agree with me. Do you don't need to... Uh, you Should you need to know what we would need to agree on? All right, now think about this. Kayla can't agree with me until I tell her what I want her to agree with me on, don't I? She might be thinking, he's probably needing prayer for something, and I'm thinking I'd like for Kayla to give me $100. Now, why is this important? Let's talk about the unspoken prayer request for just a moment. We just proved right there in just a very simple statement. Two people cannot agree on something if both people do not know what the terms of the arrangements are. Uh, Let me give you an example. So here over the last couple weeks, I've come to realize that some people do not receive verbal instruction like I receive verbal instruction because maybe they process things differently, maybe they're not listening or whatever. So we've had a couple of problems on a couple of projects that stemmed from me saying this is what I want done and them doing something else. And I say, well, but I told you to do this. Well, I, I just I didn't catch that part, or whatever. And I mean, and it's very common, you know, very very common. So we can't agree on something. You and I can't agree on something if we both don't know don't know what the terms of the deal is. And so it's very important to understand that while the unspoken prayer request is good in theory it's actually worthless in application because I can't agree with you for something that I don't know what we're talking about now see we're going to talk about that there in a minute see what was the corporate faith deal was what what was these five men coming together for all four men knew why they were carrying that stretcher because all of them had to make the decision, all right, we're gonna to have to get homeboy here on the roof, because we can't get to the door. We gotta have a plan. Who's got the plan? You know anybody here in Capernaum that's got a rope, a couple of ropes that we can tie to homeboy here and get him up on the <laughs> get him up on the roof. See that? So it's important to understand, like I said, that while the while the unspoken prayer request is wonderful in theory, it's worthless in application. And you might as well be saying twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are because you're going to achieve just about as much with that, maybe more, as you will with the unspoken request. Because I can't... And we're going to, I'm going to show you something here. Here in just a minute, we're going to go over to Matthew 18 and I'm going to show you. Go, go ahead and roll over there to Matthew chapter 18. Now, it's important to understand that... It's you're better off if you feel like you have someone that you can't share this prayer request with. You're better off not to share it with them. You're better off to go it alone. You know what I mean? If it's something that you really feel like, hey, you know, I just don't feel comfortable going to Rocky and talking to him about this prayer request. Well, if you and there are there are sensitive things. You know, that you don't necessarily want to go and talk to your pastor about or the minister about or whatever else. All right. So then what do you need? Well, you need some half-crazy Jesus-loving friends. See that? That you can go to and say, hey, you know what? I got this problem right here. And they say, we're going to rip the roof off to get you to Jesus. See, so it's... it's One of the most common misconceptions when it comes to prayer is that there's this hierarchy structure, okay? So, you know, the world teaches us this, that there's this hierarchy structure and, you know, that, you know, if I can just get to such and such, they'll get a prayer through. Well, that's as unscriptural as the sky is purple. You don't have to have any special anointed person to get a prayer through to God. That makes me want to, i tell you what, they some of these songs that just make me mad, you know. Make me absolutely mad. Well, you know, they'll sing that old dumb song. Well, someone finally got a prayer through. Like, I'm like, you know, he's more eager to meet your need and to take care of you and to bless you exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can ask or think than you are to even ask for it. See what I'm saying? And so we get this mixed up thinking you know well i got to get such and such to pray for me or i've got you know if i don't get such and such to pray for me i'm not gonna get it well i mean there's times that i tell you about abby praying for my thumb there a few weeks ago man she lit me up boy i mean i said abby pray for my thumb man she just ha i mean boy she laid on to her right there son oh boy she just She said, Ah, Father, thank you that daddy's thumb's going to be just fine. And I mean, she's just a squeezing. I said, Lord Jesus, she's trying to, I don't know what she's doing to me here, but I think she's trying to send me home. (laughs) I said, You know, but I mean, so it's important to understand that. I mean, oftentimes I'll get the, you know, I'll get the kids to pray for me because their minds aren't cluttered up with junk and crap and all that different stuff. So it's important to understand that. Now, Looking at the prayer of agreement, now this would also be corporate faith, Matthew 18. Listen to what Jesus says here. This is verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on the earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. All right. Agree here is translated from the Greek word sophaneo, Strong's number G, 4856, and it means to be harmonious, to be of one accord, to agree with someone, to agree with them in making a bargain or an agreement. Well, so again, if I say to Kenny, I say, Kenny, I'm going to sell you my truck. And he says, how much? And I say, no, you don't worry about that. You just give me what I tell you. See, we cannot symphoneo there. We can't come to an agreement because Kenny don't know what I'm going to charge him. And this could either go really good or really bad or maybe I'll be fair or we don't know. See there, we can't agree to the terms of the contract if we both don't know what we're talking about. Can you see that? Now concerning... Concerning here, translated from the Greek word peri... P-E-R-I. And it just means about, or because of, or concerning any certain thing. Now, why are we breaking this down? Because there are going to be people who look for loopholes to try to teach you why this scripture doesn't mean what Jesus says it means. Like the next word that we're going to talk about, which is anything. Now, anything here is translated from the Greek word pas, that's Strong's number G3956. And this is translated a number of different ways in the New Testament. It's translated whosoever, as in whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, whosoever means everybody. Anybody that will can, right? But some people will try to tell you that's not the truth. You can readily see they're either ignorant or dishonest. It can mean always. All manner, all things, everything, or in this particular instance, we see anything. It's translated anything. Well, if I take Regina to Walmart and I say, Regina, you pick out any one thing in this store you want. Anything. One item. Anything you want. And she goes back there and picks the biggest TV they've got. And she wheels that thing up to the register and I say, Anything but that. (laughs) Well, then now we're starting to reach stipulations, aren't we? Can you see that? Oftentimes, people judge God's word by how their word is. So a lot of people, Brother Hagin said it like this, a lot of people don't believe God's word's any good because they know their word's no good. And that's tough to accept, but I'll say that again. A lot of people think and believe that God's word is no good Because their word is no good. So they're always looking, you know, God is not making you a promise and then thinking, oh, how am I going to get out of doing this? You know, like 99% of the time, I'm pretty well flat out to the point. People say, will you come to my wedding? I say, no. Why? I don't want to come. I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't make myself do things I don't want to do. Will you come to my graduation? No. Will you come to my birthday party? No. Why? I'll get you something. I'm not coming, though. Why? I'm just to the point in my life to where I had to do all kinds of crap for a number of years that I didn't want to do, and now that I'm in a position that I don't have to do it, I ain't going to do it. It don't mean I love you any less. One of my best friends in this whole world broke my streak. I hadn't been to a wedding... In 12 years and 3 months. This is a funny story. Have I ever told you this one? i will take a minute to tell you this one before we go into this last scripture. So, Dave Bowman. He says, I want you to come to my wedding. Dave's one of my closest friends. And I said, there's kind of like this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. I said, dang. I don't want to do this. How can I tell him no? So like for months, I'm thinking. How am I going to get out of this? Well, I couldn't get out of it, and we went to you know we went to the wedding. So the boy is sitting there beside me, on the pew, and I'm not sure who was more miserable to be there, me or him. Abby was playing on her phone, and Cheyenne's doing her little social butterfly thing, you know. So it's me and the boy are miserable. Well, so Eli is sitting there, on the pew beside me. And his feet are swinging, you know, and he's looking around and all this different stuff. He said, hey, Dad. I said, what is it, son? When's this funeral going to be over? <laughs> I started laughing. I said, son. I said, it's a wedding. Dave is getting married. He didn't die. And Eli, it just like he went. He just shrugged his shoulder. <laughs> Why, he didn't care a bit more than nothing, you know. So... I'm kind of sitting there myself thinking, when's this funeral going to be over, you know? Well, it wasn't five minutes later, you know, he's a fidgeting around and talking. Hey, Dad. What is this, son? When is this funeral going to be over? I said, son, it's a wedding. Dave is getting married. He didn't die. He just shrugged his shoulders again, you know? I mean, he was miserable. Well, so I just try to be honest with people. I don't want to do this. I'm not coming. I love you. Don't take offense at it. I'm going to be honest with you. Though. But I stuffed for months. I tried to figure out a way. How am I going to get out of this wedding? I couldn't do it, though. Dave broke my streak. That's a pretty good streak, though. Twelve years and three months and not attending a wedding. Almost to the... No, it wasn't on about... Twelve years. Twelve years, one month, and about 13 days. It was a... That's a heck of a streak. I'll never, Jesus be back before I get to break that one again. Anyways, how come me to get off on that? Oh, people thinking God's word's no good because theirs is not, right? So it's even in the little things like that is we make an, we say, people say, hey, you want to do this? And you're like, sure. And then the second that you agree, you're like, dang it, why did I do that? You know. All right, now, go over there to James chapter 5 Five, and we're going to land right here. See, now we're looking at the importance of joint prayer or corporate prayer, corporate faith, corporate believing, believing as an assembly or a body. All right. Now, James chapter five, verse thirteen, says this: "Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray." Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Now watch here. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins or they have committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Now, Verse 16 here it was one of the best questions I ever got asked in all my life. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I had a person ask me one time, who in the world could you go do that with that wouldn't just tear you apart later on down the road? See, think about that. See, it's, that's a very good point. So you have to go and talk about You have to be very cautious about the stuff that you talk to people about. But see there... Going back to corporate prayer. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Elders, plural tense. So that would be one sick person and at least two elders, wouldn't it? All right, and then do what? Well, anoint them with all. Pray for them. What? And the prayer of faith will do what? Well, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and they'll forgive them. if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Now, you can't take that. That won't work every time. And it's important to understand that. You'll not, you will not take a person who gets sick five for five and take them to the elders of the church and do that specific thing right there and get them healed every time because you're going to come and find out. Every time something arises, you've got to stop and ask the Holy Spirit, how do I need to do this? How do I need to do this right here? See, because we may need to receive healing by laying on our hands. We may have to have contact and transmit. See, there's all this different stuff. But see, I think how you've heard me tell this story before, that down here at Green Street, you know, one night they anointed someone with oil. There was a fantastic miracle that took place. Well, then what happened was, is now we're creating an uh, assembly line. Now, two times a week, anytime, if someone needed prayer, Come over here and get in this line, we're going to anoint your head with oil and we're going to pray for you, and the prayer of faith is going to save the sick and the Lord's going to raise them up. Well, you'd get one or two out of 25 people healed. Well, why didn't it work? Why didn't the Bible said it worked, didn't it? Well. But the Bible also tells us, teaches us, that there are a number of different methods, and some people are in disobedience. We've got to accept that. There are some things need to be changed. We've got to accept that. There's all these different things, different dynamics. So we always have to stop and ask the Holy Spirit, all right, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do in this particular instance right here? You may be thinking, well, I need to take them down there to church and have them pray the prayer of faith and, you know, and anoint them with oil. The Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Just lay hands on them. Tell, them to, tell that sickness come out of them in the name of the Lord Jesus. See that? So it's important to understand that if you're doing something, start there. Start at the prayer of faith. And if it don't work, then stop and say, oh, okay. You know, how many times are you going to make the wrong turn for you? going to correct. See, people are constantly making the wrong turn. You know they're constantly making they're constantly making four right turns and coming right back to the same same stop sign as are at. They say, "Okay, I'm here at the stop sign. What do I do? Oh, I'm just going to turn right." And they get to the next one. Oh, I'm just going to turn right. And see, they just they just keep walking themselves right back in that square. See that? And they keep landing right back at the same stop same stop sign. And they don't have any different results. Why? Because they've got their mind so fixated on turning right at specific points that they will not listen to what the Lord is trying to tell them to do. Again, we take it, we have to run every bit of this back to the ministry of the Lord Jesus and look at how he did things. And he did not, everywhere he went, he wasn't casting out devils out of every single person, was he? Certainly he wasn't. He wasn't. Well, he wasn't just laying hands on everybody, was he? He wasn't. He wasn't just commanding everybody to be healed, was he? No, he didn't. It's important to understand that. Well, if Jesus himself had to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, and what do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? So on and so forth. Who are we to think that we're going to go about it it differently than he did it and get different results? So there you go. There's corporate faith the joining of multiple people's faith for the receiving of healing. So, and the next one, we'll look at individual faith.